Blog Talk Radio. Susan, thanks for all the, all the kind words. Well, I could have flowed with the introduction for quite a while. I feel because there's just <laughs> there's so much to to say about your wonderful work and and what an amazing life you have. It seems you know. I think that that right at the beginning you talk about your your own life as as being a kind of adventure. 
and and I sense that very much in the way that you explore and and just take us to such deep and reflective places, and yet also very approachable. There's a kind of a paradox there right at the beginning. <laughs> well, that, that's great to hear because I sometimes I wonder with my writing if if it if it does go to a different level where people probably don't understand, but if they can and and they can apply it to their own life you know that's that's you know that's music to my ears yes yes well truthfully your your writing flows much like music mm. and and i feel that people you know i've I, I can tell you that in my background you know i've studied various things not to the level that you have and and even if we don't remember, I mean, maybe maybe we took courses in religions years ago in college or whatever, we don't even have to have all of that present for us to understand how you reflect upon um, all the, the different philosophies and ways of thinking about enlightenment. So, you know, maybe we should just start there with with really a definition of term. We we talk about enlightenment. We hear that term so many times in, in popular culture and in, in ancient mm. uh, philosophy. What is it that you're really grasping at here, Jason? Well, it's all in the title of the book. Like when I say enlightenment now, a lot of people have confused that I mean, you know, you should be enlightened now. It's not really like that. Right. It's um, right. um the Eastern idea is that. Um, as with the subtitle is liberation is your true nature, um, meaning that when we when we come into this world, we're already enlightened. We already deep down within us, we we have that that divine essence, you could call it that thing that which is identical with the universe. You know, in Sanskrit, they in Vedanta they talk about this where the Atman, which is the undifferentiated consciousness, the self, the the essence within us, the deep down essence within us, is identical with uh, Brahman, which is the absolute ultimate reality of anything you and I can conceive of. You know, you could call that the Godhead in English if you want. Um, so we are deep down that, and this is not just a, a Hindu idea. This is also somewhat a Buddhist and, and Taoist idea. And so that means that um, technically, um, when we look at it from an Eastern perspective, the Enlightenment is... Um, our, our ability to resonate with the present moment, our ability to to just be completely present in in the here and now, without the uh, the accumulation of of our mind eclipsing that, and our ability to resonate with that present moment, which also corresponds to um, the the paradox between time and eternity. You know, and this is yeah. something that in especially in Western religions and Western esotericism, they kind of try to tackle where a lot of people think that um, eternity is something that we come into at, at the time of death. When, as Joseph Campbell said, eternity is that place where uh, thinking and, and time cut out. And he also said, if you don't get it now, right now, you are never going to get it. So he was speaking from uh, more of an Eastern perspective there, but, um, you know, he's true in that sense, because when we think about eternity, um, how could it be within the realm of time? How could how come it is? How can we do not see the eternal sphere in this very present moment where where our thoughts and our uh, the illusion of time cut out? Because when we start to be fully present, we have that sense of expansiveness, that sense of um, no persona, that sense of where we can perceive things 
clearly, you know, in their in their innate in, intrinsic in, infinite realm, you know, this yeah. this type yeah. of this type of thinking, and um, a lot of people assume that that is not enlightenment because people, you know, especially. Um, when when Eastern philosophy had come over into the West, a lot of people took sort of literal interpretations of a lot of their sacred texts and thought that we are going to have this glorious event one day when we reach enlightenment, when yeah. basically when basically the, the, the concept in the East is, no, it's not a glorious event, it's just coming to your senses, meaning coming to the reality that enlightenment is right here, right now. You couldn't see it, because you were off into the dreams of the the past and the future, so that's kind of what enlightenment is, is sort of in a, in, a, in a nutshell, what I'm talking about in the book. Yes, yes. You know, it seems like intrinsic to all of this is how we define freedom and how we seem to associate freedom in our culture with success or certain material goals or goals over time and. And, you know, many of us were raised in those linear-based religions, um, which, you know, Western philosophies where, you know, there's always the attainment of the goal. And something that I feel you really explore and help us to reflect upon is what is the true nature of freedom? And when we bind it to these goals over time, we're negating the concept itself. Exactly, exactly. Well put, Susan. The the yeah like what you said with success if you look at success yeah. the way that we view, view success in in the social and cultural sphere is it's a very linear process so and and what happens when we when we explore that in our own life like we we finish university we think that we we're, we're going to get something from that perspective and then we we reach we reach that goal and then it's on to the next one and then yeah. the idea is that when you reach 40 you're supposed to have made it you know successfully <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. <laughs> and then and then when you get to 40 you realize it was no different than when you were 30 you know and it's kind of you feel like you've been duped into this um this illusory freedom or success that you're supposed to attain from these um these so-called um linear goals when yeah. when we look at it the perspective of uh, eastern philosophy and even West, western esotericism is that if we look at the way nature is nature is not in not in itself linear it's more more so non-linear so um, that means there's cycles there's there's patterns um, in in the way of life and this is reflected into our psyche but we have this tendency to think in the the linear sense like we should uh, strive to attain this uh, whatever it may be and in the sense of enlightenment people are striving to attain enlightenment they're striving to reach this this so-called goal without realizing that they themselves are an aspect of nature. So if we ourselves are an aspect of nature, that means our process itself is nonlinear. It doesn't have a certain straightforward path to it. It's about um, coming into harmony with that, with that so-called pattern, which is um, you can only come into within the present moment. So um, again, that's coming more into self-liberation and the, and the ultimate freedom we are probably all seeking, whether unknowingly or knowingly. Um, but yeah, the freedom in the social and cultural sphere, we, we all know, all the listeners would know from their own experiences that it's a bit of a, an illusion because we reach these certain, yeah. these certain goals and they have no tangible quality. It's not really something that we, we take home with us and 
you know, I'm not going to be talking to you when we are both 60 or 70, Susan, about something I achieved when I'm 30 on a social, on a social level, because I would have forgotten completely about that. So, you know, people just have to reorientate their focus as to what they truly want in life and what they associate with freedom. And to, to go further on that, um, especially when, um, when we look somewhere like America, you know, where, where you are situated and I lectured there last year and a lot of people were saying to me like, you know, you know, that's, that's the price of freedom. And I sort of thought like they were talking about certain things within their, within the American culture. And I, and I, and I kind of, I never said anything, but I thought, you know, that's the price of freedom, but it's not really, that's not really freedom what you're talking about because there is no, there is no price to freedom. There is, it's, it's your, it's our innate quality. There's no price to that. You, if you are talking about developing a sense of comfort within culture and a sense of convenience, then I would not call that freedom. I would just call that purely comfort and convenience. Um, and that is not a bad thing. That's, you know, obviously we, we, we like our creature comforts and our convenience, but don't misassociate that with uh, freedom or, or self-liberation. Yes, yes. And, you know, I have to say, having um, having lived on on the on a path here in the I live in the Pacific Northwest, which is is kind of known as the Silicon Forest, and I work <laughs> in the high technology domain. And I have to tell you, Jason, something rather magical, although they may not view it this way, is happening. Mm-hmm. To the technologists that brought, you know, the the generation that brought us the Internet, for example, or Mm. the World Wide Web. That's when I was in school many years ago. Basically, a lot of those people, when they get older, are pushed out, pushed off the career track. And it's happening. Like, (laughs) Intel has huge layoffs, and and, um, they have ways, you know, very much so. It's the older people who, who are let go. And so these people find themselves, and I have listeners in the Pacific Northwest. This is why I'm addressing this, and I'd really encourage them to, to purchase this book. You are then suddenly faced with, what now? Who am I? What is it that I truly want to do? And maybe you go back to those creative impulses you had when you were young. That's happening to me a lot. And mm. um, and and you really start to reflect upon what really is freedom. It doesn't mean that you stop doing. In fact, you talk about this in your book too, about how you know we still act in life, um, but something happens to us, and we're not necessarily retired. We're but we're free in ways that we never understood freedom before. Particularly if we have nature accessible. To us, and I'm seeing professionals from many walks of life here in the Pacific Northwest who are exploring nature, and I'm one of them. And you know, there's a very timeless quality to that. And the more you do it, the more you feel exactly what you are talking about. It's a it's a gateway, and it's it's not easily. I can't even convey it very easily because it's mm-hmm. beyond words. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying, Susan. It's interesting. It's not even in, just in the technological realm. You see it in, in probably yeah. all walks of social life when yeah. people yeah. will. I remember I was in a, uh, at a at a workplace um, in my mid twenties, and there was a, a a beautiful lady, and she had been working at this company for 37 years, and you know they basically fired her like like it was nothing, you know. So right. Right. she she was thrown into a, a realm of you know she was 58 or something at the time, and um, she 
she was completely lost. You know what I mean? She, she had depended on that job her whole life and she didn't know what to do. And you see this a lot, like not just within the, the Silicon jungle where forest up where you are, but um, also in anything. And, and, and basically what you see as a result of that is a, a lot of people, when they get older and they're in, the, they, they are forced into those situations. They, they finally then turn to, to um, spirituality in a lot of sense. They yeah. turn to, yeah, they seek, um, you often see people, they, they turn to scripture or something like this with, with whatever religion. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember speaking to uh, a few teachers in, in, in India about this and they were kind of saddened about it because they were kind of like, you know, imagine if they had found spirituality at a young age. So, yes. so when these situations had happened, would inevitably happen because they are going to, going to inevitably, inevitably happen. They have, they have more of a, uh, a strong center and, and a deeper understanding of reality. And they know that, you know, this is just a course of life, you know, in, in some sense, you know, out with the old and in with the new, but, um, it's not supposed to be looked at from a negative point of view, but just a, a process of life. So if you have a strong center and a, and a deeper understanding of reality, when these situations happen, um, you can deal with it a lot better. And, and, and I think that, that um, it might happen when our generation gets a lot older because yeah. there's a lot of people who are uh, actually exploring spiritual concepts and that from a young age now, whereas back in my mother and father's time, they definitely were not. It was more about success or more about um, you know, just the basic income and looking after the family, which you know is is yeah. necessary. But but that was the complete focal point. So hopefully the focal point can shift somewhat to a more a spiritual perspective of life, where people can deal with you know the so-called troubles that we encounter with much more um, deeper perception. You know, in the Northwest, or certainly in the in America, there seems to be this dichotomy um, because the schools seem to be becoming even more structured where the mm. things that would encourage students to be expressive are going away and the things that might define students in ways that they can, I think somewhere in your book, it, it, even in slave-like ways, you know, fit in and make their contribution in in the world are being encouraged. But I'll tell you something, Jason. Recently I was exploring moving to a pretty remote area here and, and I I was I came across this school that was out there for young young kids and into junior high, kinda of younger teens. And all it was about was exploration. Free exploration. I thought, Wow, this thing really exists. You know, they didn't have hardly, you know, hardly any students because it was a small school but there are pockets where people are starting to get this and and those kids who find their way or even beyond the structure of their schools i believe you know they they really will discover the much closer to the true nature of spirituality much earlier than their parents and their grandparents perhaps yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that's a great thing. It's, it's um, you know, often in, in modern education, there is not a tendency to promote a, a child's creativity, um, yeah. self-expression. You know, you only find that in certain schools like the, in somewhat in certain schools like Waldorf schools that were based on uh, Rudolf Steiner and, and, and schools like this. Um, 
where it's it's a tragedy in some sense because you know we are raising children just to become indoctrinated with serving the economy you know the economy has become the overarching religion of the whole and most people are you know consciously or unconsciously serving that so-called economy so you know the ways out of that have always been the you know usually the artistic path that's why the artists have always been the 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 great revolutionaries the great rebels of society but when you look at the creative process itself and on a deeper level which is great for children to understand is you are out of the out of the the pattern of um, achieving linear results and thinking in linear ways where you're just in that moment in that process in that pattern of creating something which is not really a linear process even though there is somewhat a beginning and an, and an end but usually when you look at any artist I, I even find this with my books that you remember more of the process than the actual beginning or the result yeah. that you achieve in the end you know it's great that I get the physical copy of the book of course I I feel happy that people are going to read this but for myself personally, it's the process of being in that creative um, moment that is the most valuable. And this is what children will find if, you know, especially if education was geared more that way. Um, and, and I think, well, I know that that's not happening in a lot of schools because uh, art and also sports are usually the first things that are attacked when they talk about budgets. Yeah, but there, there are, yeah, very much so. But there are other schools there are other school systems which are embracing that art and sport themselves are a great way of expressing a children's nature and, and, you know, just allowing them to, to play, you know, life itself is play. And, and us as adults, we forget that we, we take life too serious and we forget that, that the whole universe is itself weird. It, it's, you can't really give it a, a tangible seriousness. Like it should be this way or, you know, make a, up a logical conclusion, but you know, it's it's just about play. It's about fun. It's about exploring yourself and deepening your own awareness. But at the same time, you know, not losing your sense of humor and not losing your own sense of uh, character. Yeah, yeah. You know, something that that you explored that I feel is important is how how we view power structures in society and and how what we're taught about God or however we want to express that term God, if it's, you know, God mm. as as dictator or powerful or mm. and, and how that tends to influence us in the way that we certainly go about life and even, you know, tie us to more goal-oriented linear ways of thinking as opposed to more free-flowing, it seems. And, and how do we... Um, begin to shift our society. Although I know part of your message is, you know, we're we're there when we 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 find ourselves there, you know, in the moment. But but how do we we kind of break this this spell that we have over us that that um, this monarchical power is 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 actually helping us when when truthfully it it's not helping us to to live productively in the ways that we can. Yeah, sure, right. Um, great question. Um, the yeah, well, as you know from my book, Susan, the the monarchical view of the universe is kind of something that's embedded within you know every social sphere. You know, we have the 
we have always we've had kingdoms for how long who knows how long we've had kingdoms and kings and queens and we have uh political tyrants and so forth and so on you know even down to having your 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 boss at, at your average your average job um yeah you know, you know there are some reasons for this but the thing is that a lot of these um social structures were based on this monarchical view so the monarchical view itself, um, you know, Sigmund Freud attests to, he, he thinks it began with Akhenaten in Egypt. But, you know, most most things point to uh, Darius I in Persia, who created, who was one of the first to create the, the King of Kings tradition, um, which is, you know, it was, a, it was an interesting philosophical time during that period. It was like 571 BCE to like 476 BC, something like this, where... There was Lao Tzu and um, Confucius in China. There was Gautama the Buddha in India and Pythagoras in Greece. And and basically those four had a similar view of reality where, you know, obviously they, they approached it differently, but they had a view that hu- human beings are not separate from nature and, and the cosmos. We are a part of it. There is no form of separation. There's no, no uh, dictatorship. In, in reality, you know, everything is a is a process that moves in patterns and, you know, it, there was no lord or, or ruler above. But the curious thing is during this period is Darius I came along in Persia and he brought along this King of Kings tradition, which is basically the monarchical view, which is uh, a political analogy of the universe. Meaning, you know, you could look at it at, we could look at the sun and we could say, okay, the sun is our God, the sun is the Lord. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people believe that without understanding that, you know, without without us there, you know, there is no sun, there's no moon and so forth and so on. It, it's all harmonious. So then we have this idea, this concept is born that God is a ruler or Lord. And this is completely different from in the East. You know, we only have to look at the Tao Te Ching in, in China, which is attributed to Lao Tzu which says the, the Tao loves and nourishes all, but does not lord it over them. So basically the, the whole cosmos is about balance, not dictatorship. So, which, you know, which leans more into trust and humility, which is a characteristic yeah. that, that we have completely lost within, within humanity. And um, so from that perspective, from that monarchical view, Christianity was obviously influenced by the monarchical view where we have a creator God, which is lording it over everybody. And, um, you know, and so the irony of that is, you know, Jesus was, uh, Jesus is the son of God, but he's also the son of a carpenter. So son of someone who creates the, the universe. And, you know, in the East, it's completely different. There is not, there are creator gods. Don't, don't get me wrong. But they are always lesser on the chain than the than the ultimate reality. So we can look at Brahman in 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 India, which is the ultimate reality of everything. Even the even Brahma, which is not Brahman, but Brahma is is the creative principle of the universe, which is one of the three gods: Vishnu being the preserver and Shiva being the destructive element of the universe. Um, and, but these are lesser than these are only only uh, what they would say is um, manifestations of energy of of Brahman of the ultimate reality. And you know you go over into China, you have the the, the Tao, and the Tao is similar to Brahman. It's, it's kind of like the irreducible essence of the universe, where it's the way, and and we find the way in our life, and we harmonize with yeah. it. And that's and that's the way of nature. It's not a linear thing. It's just a 
it's an organic process. And so the East were more focused about the the organic natural world, the nonlinear world, than a world uh, of 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 linear dictatorship where we have someone telling us you go in that direction and you will achieve these certain results. So, you know, we have this, it's not just even in the West that we have this embedded, you find it in the East as well, where people have uh-huh. this, this monarchical tendency where they think of reality in the sense of, you know, Oh, I, I, I hope, you know, God didn't see me doing that or something like this. Right. And we have right. this and we, and we develop this guilt association, right? So we think that, Somebody is constantly looking over our shoulder. We think um, um, we always feel guilty for for succumbing to natural inclinations, and you know the Catholic Church does a good job of this, and and this is all this all comes from the monarchical view, from this misconception about how reality is. Reality is not a dictatorship. It's a it's a symbiotic harmonious organism, and and, and it's and it's nat- natural and it's organic, and that's what we're a part of. So to get so long-winded to get back to your to your to the end of your question was how do we you know how do we get back to that and that, and that's the difficult yeah. approach because that means we have to ourselves teach the youth to see reality in a different way we have to teach them yeah. correctly how to how to perceive reality this is what Gautama the Buddha was trying to teach his disciples that's the point of right perception of trying to get out of your own mind out of your own hysteria of of linear goals and achieving results and the idea that someone's looking over our shoulder and get back into sync with reality. So we, it has to come at a, on an educational level and we have to really think like that. It can't just be something that we, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be like this for a while. It has to become ingrained in our own cognition where we actually see reality in that way. Like, and you'd know this, Susan, because you've been around a lot of great people in your life, but people start to they do start to think like that when they when they start to really absorb that and they they yeah. know that they know that bad situations in themselves aren't bad. They always lead to something else, whether that be bad or yeah. good. That they're just their subjective viewpoints, aren't they? So um it's just a way of training ourselves to see you know, in, in Zen Buddhism, they say it's kind of, the paradox is, is we are retraining ourselves to be naturally who we are. <laughs> so that's yeah. kind of the, the, yeah. the paradox that you and I and, and the listeners are all in. So. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh, so much. Oh, I'm echoing <laughs> a little bit on your line now. Oh, well. We're, we're, doing, we're, we're trying a wonderful new blog talk radio interface tonight, so I'm just so happy that they're, they're continuing to introduce these things. That the notion of perfection, Jason, how, you know, this very much relates to what you just said. And as you were talking, I was reflecting upon, you know, how are we shifting? You know, right here in the Portland area, there is a college, Reed College, which doesn't have grades, which mm. and hasn't for quite a while. It's a very, um, you know, people, very accomplished people have gone to read college it's been around for a while and and you know sometimes this notion of not grading children even in other schools has been talked about more and more and i I, that came to me i don't know somehow we're sort of steering towards kids and parenting so i don't know why that is particularly there's so many themes in your book but it makes me think about you know where is the world headed and 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 back to my main question here how we seem to be taught to strive for this perfection, and yet mm. something that you bring out 
is that that's always bound to time and that that true perfection lies within imperfection and that if we can find you know that that feeling of loving what is however it is and and that 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 takes away so much anxiety and suffering you know all the is to to get to that point and and yet we so you know we want to have the perfect house or you know the perfect life or you know do all these things and yet that just we never reach it i think there's a point in your book where you say a lot of people on their deathbed you know they realize they never reached whatever perfection they were seeking but then you know it's the joy of the relationships it's the joy of the simplicity that that Mm. really comes through definitely it's you know a lot of people discount their their own immediate immediately what's around them you know they don't appreciate their relationships a lot of the time they don't appreciate the beautiful moments they have with the people they love or the beautiful experiences they have often people discount these and you know in, in the east there's there's always an appreciation of the immediate moment so um what that means is like in in psychology there's something called the adaptive psych the, the adaptive psychology so what that means is you know you could m- move to a new town and everything's fresh everything's new so you're enjoying it you know you're enjoying the new markets the new cafes the the new people and and you're loving it but after a month or so it just becomes ba- it becomes background noise so, um, you know, we have this sort of, sort of naturally in our mind, but in the East, they have a, a tendency to try and focus always on the background, appreciate the background, because that's where reality really is. The foreground might be really shiny and bright sometimes. You know, you might have a beautiful experience and this and that, but don't attach to that and don't think that, you know, don't associate any concept of you've got to relive that experience of, of pleasure again without appreciating just the, the, the company you had in that experience, for, for example. Um, so really appreciate those uh, immediate things in your life, um, which we don't usually associate to anything towards, um, you know, perfection or anything like that, because we're often, the, the idea of always seeking perfection makes us lose sight of all this, because we think that yeah. we're going to attain something, we're going to reach this certain place, and then we're going to have it. We're going to be perfect, we're going to be whole, and then we realize we don't. We, we aren't whole. And, um, you know, this is associated to also enlightenment where people think they're going to um, become enlightened and um, they're going to reach this event of enlightenment. But I speak about in the book that enlightenment is kind of a non-event. It's, it's like um, as they use in, in Zen, they use the idea, you know, um, carrying water and chopping wood. Um, after, yeah. You know, before enlightenment, carrying water and chopping wood and after enlightenment, carrying water and chop and chopping wood yeah. so life goes on it's not it's not again it's not a linear thing you're not going to reach this state of perfection and then you're going to be on a cloud above everybody else no no you're still human and you will still live your life in accord with with everything else but you have a sense of a different quality about yourself that's what it is um you know we don't want to go to we don't want to stretch the concept of enlightenment too far from the idea that Buddha brought and Buddha brought that idea that, you know, um, the, this, the concept of, I am awake. He has woken up to the idea that he had for his whole life, he had been reacting to the images and, and the noise within his own mind, 
what, what we would call a stream of consciousness. So he had been reacting to that, which most of us do, but he realized he wasn't any of that. That's just like a, uh, a film projection going off in our, in our mind. He, and so he began to observe that from a certain perspective and he wasn't then controlled by external situations. So I like what you said before that, you know, um, when you mentioned the the chase for perfection, you you aptly meant me- mentioned something about um, being driven by external um, impulse because you know a lot of our tendency for you know not just enlightenment but anything in general is oftenly is often um, calculated with what we perceive in the external world, not not really anything to do with how it is within us. You know, we see someone who is extremely successful. Um, and we think, yes, that's it. I want that. But you don't know anything yeah. about their life. You don't know anything about their exactly. life. They could have, they could have a shitty relationship. They could have things that are not harmonious in their life. But all we see is the edited out bit, and we think, oh, great. And you know, a, a lot of people who follow the entrepreneurial path of often um, fall into this category because they want to be entrepreneurs. Like, um, I don't know, like. They want to be like Tony Robbins or they want to be like um, Richard Branson and people like this and nothing uh-huh. against those guys, uh-huh. but uh-huh. people just see the, the, pos- the positive edited version of their life and they don't see the, the, the deep down grit and dirt of their life and they think, yes. then, they, then they think about their own lives because they have this deep down dirt and grit in their own personal lives and they think that they're somewhat not worthy of becoming successful like them. And, and that's all nonsense because we all have our own personal dramas on, on a personal level. But, you know, this, the, when, we, when we get out of that idea of perfection, we, we begin to embrace our own humanity. We are not at odds with our own humanity then. And this is one of the viewpoints in the East. You know, when you, if you want to realize enlightenment, you should not be at odds with your own humanity, meaning that you shouldn't be wrestling with your own existence constantly. You should be at peace with just the way you are and dealing with that, <laughs> whichever way you want to deal with it, and, and, and trying to be, in, in some sense, you know, the best person you can be without falling into the, the, the traps and the delusions that drive society and culture and, and, and religion. So, you know, um, yes. yeah. You know, I, I, I see all around me and certainly, you know, have experienced this firsthand is that, you know, we, we so often we spend all of our lives, you know, striving for, mm. for these things that, that they may give some comfort. You know, if if you if you live in a a nice house or you know you feel mm-hmm. safe or whatever, you know you, you might you might be able to take a wonderful vacation, <laughs> you know, once a year <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah. But it's just it isn't free, and yeah. and you know when we talk about liberation, and, and I'm not talking about the kind, you know you talk a little bit about you know it, really this notion of freedom, and and I know I'm exploring this with with my own life. I. I mean, I, I've shared with the listeners before. I'm, I'm at kind of a crossroads myself, where I made a conscious decision that I would much rather simplify those external things and elevate my own freedom, so that I can t- continue to create expressively, than somehow maintain this, you know, external whatever sham of, of you know, things that just really don't help with with our happiness at all. Truthfully. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the more that you start to explore how do you do this, it's amazing. There are ways mm-hmm. to do this, and it's not it's, – it can be very approachable. And you just have to, you know, release judgment. It's just like, oh, yes, you very much can – can live more simply and, and, you know, become more artistic. And the funny thing is, I'll tell you what's happening. When I talk to people about this simple idea I have of, of, of living, they, they always seem to think, oh, you know, well, you can go there and then you'll go here, you know. Just like and then when you write, you know, your three books or ten books or whatever, you know, and, and your your show is doing whatever, all these different things, well, then, you know, maybe, you know, you can, you can be – in in this this externally elevated place and it's like you want to say wait a second you know that isn't really what i'm looking for i really don't care about that you know mm-hmm. that 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 doesn't it isn't what i need um mm-hmm. you know I, we can live i mean there there's a limit to this of course you know as to how simply mm-hmm. you can live but it's surprising you know having been in that high tech i you know, I, I worked on an executive floor. I did all this stuff in my life, and um, and you don't need all the things that 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 gives to you. You really don't. And what you need is the way of the heart. Mm. Yeah, that's right, Susan. Well, the, the irony is, is if you bring that simplicity into to your life, it actually um, benefits your your intellectual life. It benefits your um, benefits whatever job you are doing and so forth and so on if you bring that element of simplicity and you refine your life you 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 go back to moderation you follow kind of the idea of the middle way in buddhism and when you when you do that everything else in your life becomes more vibrant and more bright and you know you, you you have this certain you know what they would say in Taoism. You you are just you're in harmony with the way in in your life. It's just yeah. going that way because you have stopped trying to achieve certain things. You've stopped trying to be this and be that, or achieve this and achieve that. And this is one of the paradoxes in in the East because you know one of the, the paradoxes is how do we essentially you know try not to try? Because when you are not trying. To do things, your life is in perfect harmony. But when you're often seeking and trying to do things, you, you encounter obstacles, you encounter um, hardship, suffering, and, and so forth and so on. Um, so, you know, this is kind of like you know when we look at simplicity, it's kind of the um, the medicine for our tendency for survival because all we're doing now, you know, with this um, the stress that we have in our life of achieving results, of being somebody of being, like you said, having the, keeping up with the Joneses, having the, the, the uh, big house, the four-wheel drive yeah. and so forth and so on, yeah. is basically just our our natural survival transplanted into the modern world. Because, you know, to be honest, you and I don't have to really worry about being eaten by a lion no more walking down the street. Our problems are much more superficial, you know, um, you know, what's, what's Tony going to think of my new suit or, you know, um, is my wife going to think my bank account is, is, you know, growing big enough, you know, all of these superficial things, but we transplant our survival tendencies onto them. And this is where we have this strong association to stress and anxiety in our modern day. And we have mental diseases and mental health issues and all of these problems because of this. And the medicine for this is to simplify your life. It's, it's like what I call in um, it's like one of the practices in 
um, the East, which is called Fasting the Mind, which I actually have a book coming out next year revolved uh-huh. around this practice, is about taking all of that content and 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 eliminating it. Not not I mean, you don't. You, it's hard to eliminate it, but what you do is you refrain from acting out those tendencies, and you you bring your life back down into just the ground of 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 what it is. So you are not going to overstimulate yourself with a lot of, uh, for example, a lot of digital stuff, or or you're not going to um, overstimulate your palate with a lot of fast food and, and stuff like this. So you bring it back down to just back to nature, about back to how it is. And you, and what you do in this process is you feel your mind begin to repair itself. You begin to think more clearly and you begin to see reality for what it is um, without our own subjective viewpoint. And, you know, a lot of people find this when they fast the body, but you fa- when you fast the mind, it's even much more powerful. And so, you know, these sort of, uh, things like fasting the mind is a, is a chance for us to simplify our life, which enriches our life actually. Um, but you know, the, like you said, most of us are social creatures. So how do we find a balance in that? You know, that's the yeah. that's the yeah. that's the key. Um, because you can be like you could be like um, Ramana Maharishi in the 20th century sage in India, where he would constantly say, "Give up the search," because he would get a lot of Westerners and Indian people who would very success driven business orientated and he's looking at them from his place because he you know he had he had renounced the world at 16 years old so when he would look at these people he was in a pretty peaceful place himself so he was just seeing yeah. people who were who were overextending their reach they were trying too hard to be somebody they were they were striving too hard to attain success and it it's it has a an amazing effect, like what you said before, when you give up that search, when you relinquish that, that um, tendency to try too hard, it has an amazing effect on our mind and our consciousness, which brings us back to, you know, back to the essence of reality. But from there, it's, it's, it's a, the skill then becomes how do you go from that place back into engaging with the world in a sane manner. Um, So, um, that's why I always advocate that there's a, a, a Taoist sage called Zhuangzi, who is one of the great Taoist sages, and he came across this predicament where he he kind of was different to Lao Tzu. Where Lao Tzu would just say he would agree with Ramana Maharishi and just say, just leave society, don't worry about it, you know, it'll right. do its own thing. Yeah, and and you know that's and you can do that. There is there is no right or wrong in this universe, so you can do that. But if you're a social creature and you and you you have family and you and you have a job and so forth and so on, you need to be able to live skillfully in life. And that, that's what Drungsa was kind of exploring, and he kind of put it down to the tendency that if we can get into basically what Mihai Chiksamai called as that flow state where, you know, in Chinese they call it Wu Wei, which is kind of like non-doing, non-force, effortless action, intelligent spontaneity. But if you can be in that state more of, uh, almost all the time, not just, you know, when you see an athlete, they are, they are in the zone, but they're usually only in the zone for 15 minutes or so forth and so on. Drungs are saying, imagine if we can be in that state all the time, then that yeah. means that we can be in society and deal with, whatever it is that society pr- produces and we do it very skillfully and and we are still in that in that place where we are not over striving and over seeking and overthinking essentially so that's the task for all of us for all of us every single one of us on this planet so unless unless you want to go and join Lao and and the hippies and that and go into the forest and you know that's <laughs> and i i 
That oh, is no the Pacific Northwest, believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where I am. But, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, will, I will tell you this. Nope, I'm echoing. Nope, I'm echoing. I hear my, my voice echoing back. Um, when, when I find myself... Um, you know, and many of us, and I'm not the only one. There's, there, there seems to be a whole group of us who we make time here to explore nature. You know, maybe not every day, some days. If there is this balance, and yet, what I realize that we all feel, those of us who are doing this, many, you know, there are lawyers doing, you know, people that I run into on a normal, normal basis. Um, various people who've been in different. They're still working. You know, one is a very active entrepreneur and yet still explores nature and, and finds peace. It, there's this balance. It's true that, um, you know, allowing that period of just free exploration and awareness, and there's no structure to it really. I mean, it's not even really associated with the practice, and we might talk about that too, spiritual practices, although one could sit, and I do. I did it this morning, you know, sit out in nature and meditate for a while but yet there's still balance you know you come back to the world i do it work you know my own business this show you know different things go on in your life that that you're acting on and, mm. and there are people you're interacting with and so forth but somehow we have to find a way this is what many of us feel those of us who have been meeting out in, in nature you know just chatting ourselves somehow we've discovered a way that we're learning how to integrate things and and if you know it's it, most people who are doing this are entrepreneurs or so you know they're not out in the traditional workplace but somehow we can if we could only shift society that way more of us are just mm. in our own individual lives we would find that balance and it's not perfect but it doesn't need to be right <laughs> no of course not of course not but and there's you got, something gonna... magical about it yeah well, you're gonna you're gonna uh, slip up sometimes. You know, it's not it's not uh, gonna be perfect all the time. But I, I like what you were saying um, about how you're in nature and you're away, and then you come back and you integrate with the world. It's you know these are this is essential. You know, the, the problem I guess with the world now is people are just so overwhelmed with work and with the way society yeah. is that they never take. They never take any time for themselves. And they they never come into yeah, that. That's right. They never come into yeah. They never come into that realization that you had this morning when you when you sat in nature and meditated. This is why I I've been advocating to people, you know, um, when in regards to fasting their own mind and, and bringing their mind back into stillness, is to, you know, if if you are in a working environment and you're in a society, which is most people who are listening, then you need to set. Um, sort of certain, I, I could say, you know, we could say a certain structure or a certain rhythm to your life where you give yourself at least, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a day just to do what you did this morning, Susan, yeah. just to, just to yeah. allow the nervous, allow the nervous system to relax and now allow all of the worries that you had and that you have to encounter um, in the day just to subside for just that short amount of time, you know, and 20 minutes to 30 minutes is not really that long, but because people are so agitated, they find it difficult. Um, And, and in regards and in support sort of of the hippies and, and the Lao Tzu philosophy, I also advocate that one of the best things that a lot of us can do is give yourself at least four weeks of the year 
and at least I'm saying at least four weeks. So you know, a lot of people have stress, um, busy jobs, so they usually have to um, split this up into two weeks, you know, middle of the year, two weeks at the end of the year. But just go somewhere and completely just shut down from the whole world and let your just let yourself let yourself be in whatever that environment is. And I don't mean going to Tokyo or something like this, somewhere that's super chaotic and super busy. You know, go somewhere like, um, you know, one of my places is uh, Vanamalai in southern India. I, I go there every year uh-huh. for this uh-huh. for this specific purpose of shutting down and, and, and you know, not checking the emails, not checking uh, Facebook and, and none of this and just allowing, you know, my nervous system to relax, meditate more, um, embrace the local culture, um, enjoy the local food. And just do the very simple things, you know, and, and enjoy life in that way instead of the busyness and the chaos, the chaos that we are usually, we have become accustomed to. So, you know, it's very important to periodically um, give, you that, give yourself that time to, to just be and just to come back into your own nature. And that's when you begin to realize that like the the point of my book that liberation is your own nature you begin to realize it when you are in that place and the good thing about this is when you do it for extended periods of time is you come back much more and much more on point and focused in this in the social sphere so you you have sort of that center that ground of your own being that you can hold on to more firmly than if you were just to stay in your job and and the busyness of family and society and that for 12 months, 365 days a year, which is none of us can really do, you know. Um, yeah. That's why that's why a lot of panic attacks, anxiety attacks, um, depression, mental health issues, that's why a lot of that exists. It's not because of anything else than the pressure that we feel from all of these circumstances that we encounter in, in the social, cultural and religious sphere of, of, of our lives. So, you know, we need time away from that to heal ourselves and to come back and, you know, be the, be the best Susan or the best Jason or the best whoever that we can be for other people and also for ourselves. Yes. Ah, so much there. And, you know, I think that that one of the things that's said about the the U S is how little vacation time we have. (laughs) And, and yet, one can hope that there, there. I'm starting to see a shift, though. Really, even in the high technology sector, they're starting to because they get people from all over the world for one working there. They're starting mm. to come up with these ideas of month sabbaticals that everyone can take, or even non-structured work. I mean, where um, I'm hearing some pretty amazing ideas that are are starting to flow, at least in the high tech industry, where um, that although it can be very demanding, I think they're finally starting to recognize that we need more freedom and that maybe it will grow in that way and other places will. So, you know, really the message that, that I feel is coming through everything that you say and in your book is just that notion of balance, is that um, balance is, is so important. And, and then realizing what freedom and liberation truly is and what it feels like the more that we we come to understand what real freedom is and it 
it doesn't necessarily sure it would be wonderful i could stay out i could literally stay in the woods every day all day if i wanted to when i talk about a simple life you know although some people might joke that's the lie because i take a lot of pictures and things when i'm out in nature it's um no you know i don't need to spend every day in the woods all day it's that's not it um it's balance so, um, so anyway, we're already winding down here, and 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 I I have to say um, thank you, Jason, for for being here with us tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on. During your Susan. time frame, <laughs> yeah. I, I always enjoy talking to you. You're, you've got a great energy and a great zest for life, and that's kind of what the book is talking about. It's talking about, yeah. you know, finding that and not not. Um, thinking that life is this this thing that we encounter that's a struggle it's not that when we understand that that liberation is 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 our core nature you know when we find that then we have you know what they say in 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 zen and in, you know vedanta is that you have that the energy the zest for life you you have yeah. that something something different about yourself you know a lot of people call it the constant yeah. meditative state but that's um that's what we all have, but the problem is, is we're looking for it in the wrong places, and that's the point yeah. of the book. You have it right now, and you don't have to go to all of these retreats. You don't have to do this and that, though they will help. I, not, I'm, don't get me wrong, they will help, but in the end, you've you are yourself, and you can never get it anywhere else. So, hopefully, my yeah. book can do that do that that truth in itself some justice. Yes, yes, very much so. Well, thank you again for being here, and I want to encourage the listeners either now or across time whenever you're listening to this program to visit your website, jasongregory.org, and um, and your book is releasing very soon, as I understand it, um, and look for Enlightenment Now, Liberation mm-hmm. is Your True Nature, and there's a link on the page for people to find that because there is a a lot that you share that we've only just touched upon it really (laughs) but um i i'm very appreciative for you jason and all that you're doing i i think you're sharing some really beautiful things so thank you Uh, thank you susan i appreciate all the kind words ah well um you take care and i hope to talk with you again soon okay bye all right bye-bye uh, just a quick show note, and here I forgot to mention, I promised myself I would always mention the actual date, even though we talked about linear time in this show. Um, it is September 21st, 2016. For those of you hearing this show in some unusual way in the future, I just want to mention that every time. Um, the next show that is on the schedule right now, I'm actually taking a short break, although I may slip a show in there at some point but the next show that we have is actually with an expert in human consciousness as well someone who's explored a lot of things he's been on the show before dr robert foreman is coming back after quite a long while and he's been on many times in the past and we are going to look into an honest exploration of change that's what we are going to be reflecting upon so I think that'll be a nice companion to this show as well. So always you can go to FrontierBeyondFear.com to learn about the upcoming schedule. Should there be another one added, head over there and see. And you can also follow the show. You have to be a Blog Talk Radio member, which is easy. It's free. They don't 
they don't send you lots of emails or anything. But what you can do then is get email alerts for the show. So if you're interested in doing that, just follow the show. So thank you, everyone, for being here. And um, I do encourage you to explore these concepts more deeply because they will free you more and more. And and finding that peace within ourselves is what is going to bring more peace to the planet overall. We do it one one at a time. And today is International Peace Day. I mentioned right at the end, remembering that too, we can find our way to this. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.